our networks do have the ability to give us insight and to prescribe information and opportunities for us. But the biggest hurdle today is, is, is I'll say it again, is the noise. My guest today knows a thing or two about successfully building diverse, pretty cool, successful companies. Uh, they've included Real Food Works, a healthy food company, Novatorium, a business incubator, and he was a pioneer in the early days of e-commerce where he helmed the legendary dot-com music retailer, CDNow. He has also had a hand in helping right the ship of a company or two, including doubling the revenues of a 15-year-old telecommunications company. He's from the Philadelphia region, but he's done the Silicon Valley thing as well, spending over a decade there and working on groundbreaking technology companies in the area of search and data storage. So yeah, you get it. My guest today has a lot of mad experience under his belt, and he continues to expand on that even today, where he's currently at the helm of Intranet. I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Intranet, which develops an app to make digital introductions, referrals easier, trackable, and more impactful. So who is it? He is Mike Krupit, and man, I'm Got to tell you, I'm glad he's with me today. I, I can't wait to dive into this conversation. So, Mike, before we do get started, I want to take a minute. Just thank you so much for joining me today on Leading Matters. My pleasure, Joel. Good morning, and and thanks very much for having me. Looking forward to uh, sharing some insight. Great. So let, let's let's get started right away because I want to touch on all of your experience for sure, but I really do want to zero in on this idea of what Internet calls relationship capital and the work that you're doing there. So for the benefit of my audience, can you kind of explain the concept of relationship capital and what Internet is all about? Sure. Well, int- Intronet is is what LinkedIn has lost and CRM has been too difficult for us to manage, right? So the fact is that relationships in our life, in our professional life, in our personal life are, are very important. And, and not when I, when, I, when I say the word relationship, I'm not thinking of the emotional intelligence kind. That, that's sort of a topic for a different day. Sure. But I'm, I'm talking more about the, 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 the knowing, the trust, the authenticity that we have with one another that maintains connections and, and ultimately right relationships, uh, our, our network of relationships, you know, form these connections that, that we can, that we can benefit from and we can give to. Um, so, so the most successful people have, are able to maintain, to build and maintain the best relationships. You know, that's what intranet was founded for. Intranet was founded to help people, discover and manage and improve their relationships by right. both giving to a community, benefiting from being part of a community, and understanding the impact that they are having um, within a group of people. But Mike, do you think, because as you're speaking there, especially when you let off with uh, what LinkedIn kind of has fallen away from and what CRM never really... You know, let's be focusing on CRM for a second because mm-hmm. CRM seemed to grow up not out of the need for the sales uh, reps' desire to con- connect and, and better uh, get connected and really know their prospects and their and their community, but more of a, a management reporting kind of paradigm. And it's funny if you go back to like the early days of desktop, where you had like Act and Goldmine. I mean, they were all ordered towards the sales rep. You know, big enterprise CRM comes along and it kind of 
takes control of the pipeline management and analysis, which are certainly needed. But mm-hmm. along the way somewhere, do you think, and I, this is my kind of um, you know perspective here, that along the way we've lost the need for the salesperson to stay out ahead of their marketplace, to be a, a connector of people within their, their account list, if you will, to be you know motivating and inspirational and, and really understand the nature of those relationships. I mean, am I reading into the evolution of that space too much, or do you think that's part of why – uh, internet exists. So I, I think there, I mean, look, look, look at the success of CRM companies, right? The, there is a need for CRM, right? And, and, and what you have observed, you know, what you've pointed out is CRM is there because it takes our sales funnels. It takes processes that are fixed and measurable and allows us to measure them. Um, and, and technology has enabled that. So, you know, way back from the early days of content management systems and now the ability to sort of track relationships, um, the progress of relationships in, the, in a cloud it, it is it is a great way for organizations and people that need to measure to to do so. And and that is that is a powerful tool and you know we could we could discuss whether or not it's changed the role and the the outlook of a salesperson and 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 perhaps it has but but the observation I, I would make is that now we're trying to overuse CRM. We're trying to say mm. that 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 everybody should be using CRM. That that we're trying to build CRM into our email systems and CRM into our into our um, you know Facebook systems. And the fact is that that CRM is for a small percentage of professional populations who who need who have to measure. Who benefit from measuring sure. what it is that what are the what is it that they do? But you know the measurements require structure. Mm. Using a CRM system requires that you be disciplined, and no matter how much machine learning we put into it, no matter how much automation we put into it, the fact is it really only benefits those who have to measure progress. Um, and most of us don't quantify our relationships, the value yeah. of our relationships that way, and so we overuse CRM. Yeah. Right. Now I like that, right? Because that's again, I I, um, I call it the tyranny of metrics, right? I, I think that metrics are obviously a good thing, but sometimes we we become so entrapped by the need and the necessity, and, and really become enslaved to what those metrics. Not that they're not important, because they certainly are, right? Especially for larger organizations that have structure and discipline. But do you think that along the way that that leaders have lost the the prioritization that they should be giving to the you know the, the the natural nuance of developing that professional relationship, and, and like I said earlier, being that connector and being engaged with who I'm well, selling to. So, so I, I, from organization to organization, it's probably different. But I, I would say that in my observation, in the organizations that I've coached, and the organizations that I've run, that from the leaders who I've I've learned from, I don't think that's the case, right? I think that salespeople who have always been numbers driven have have benefited from the use of, of CRM and haven't really lost anything, right? They, they still take their clients out to lunch, except mm-hmm. now they don't have to remember when to do it. The software will remind them when to do it, <laughs> sure. right? But the, um, but, but most, most of the organizations that appreciate the quality of relationships still invest in what we'll call business development, right? And, and, or account management, right? So it's, it's the ones that are less measurable, right? It's the ones that say, hey, go to this networking event. It's the ones that say, drop in on a client. It's the ones that say, mm. that say you know, buy, buy someone's um, you know, family a fruit basket. Um, it, and it's the ones that take the time to, to, to 
get to know you know whoever's at the other end of the relationship. It, it, it you know it, again it could be a personal because business and per- the lines between pis- business and personal are very blurred right now. So it, it could be a personal relationship, you know, friends and colleagues. It, it could be a, a strict client relationship. But the fact is that that most effective leaders, most effective organizations don't just have salespeople who measure their progress and sure. results, but they also have the less measurable business development um, and account management that go out there and, and do the, the, the qualitative stuff. Yeah. You know, as you're speaking there, I'm reminded of um, my most recent guest. I had Tim Sanders on the show mm-hmm. and uh, he wrote a book called Deal Storing, which is quite good. But you know, we were talking about the impact of content marketing and in that context of, of, of the nature of natural business development that we can't necessarily measure. Um, and and you know, he kind of made me think, well, gee, maybe content ought to be a catalyst to be able to do that, right? Like, let me give you a great example. Like, I kind of use this show as part of my own business development because let's say, you know, Mike Krupik comes up with a great one minute of wisdom, right? I'm going to, I'm certainly going to post the whole episode for my audience because I have casual listeners that listen in the car and whatnot. But if that one minute is valuable and it reinforces something that I think my marketplace cares about, then I'm going to share that with them. I'm going to send it out, right? Mm-hmm. So the content becomes not just the demand generating metric-driven MQL to SQL element, uh, what it becomes is a way for me to connect with Joe over here who might find this wis- you know, this nugget of wisdom from Mike really valuable. I mean, are, are we missing the, the nuance a little bit more today than, than maybe – and maybe it's because it is too automated. I don't know, but I get that sense that the nuance is just missed a little bit. So I, I don't think so. I don't believe so. Um, I, I think that what's happened is we're perhaps overwhelmed with nuances. And and this <laughs> sure. is you know it, it's it's impacted us in in every facet of our life, but certainly professionally, certainly when it comes to content. Um, so when I was building my coaching practice, Trajectify, and 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 one of my colleagues had had strongly you know urged me, pushed me into you know uh, to doing my, my a content strategy, implementing um, content. Sure. Uh, which, of course, I know is a best practice, and but you need you need someone objectively to remind you to do that, right? Yeah, That's yeah. what coaches are for in, in the first place. <laughs> right. um, I I decided instead of sh- instead of sharing you know tidbits of information, links and quotes over social media, instead of writing five hundred word blog posts of some quick thoughts or little lists, mm-hmm. I decided to write more in depth articles and do it less frequently. Right and and the, the and so what I was doing was starting every one of those articles with a story to be told, and 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 made the story interesting and and ultimately you know fifteen hundred words later two thousand words later you know helped someone draw some conclusions from mm. it, and I found that I found that people got to know me better because I made these personal stories, people got to learn something and and because it wasn't overwhelming because it wasn't scattered throughout their their Twitter sphere or Facebook or email um, feeds, they they responded more positively. They would take the article, they would share the article, and and so um, so I I don't I I think that all those nuances in 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 in, in authenticity and relationships are out there, but but technology has enabled us mm. to be bombarded with them. Yeah, or maybe even like simplify them. Like maybe, because you're right, like the long form I think gets a lot more attention for the people that care about it, right? So maybe, and I'm, this is kind of just like on the fly, this this thought, but but maybe the technology has made us be so uh, lazy, for lack of a better word, that we, we miss the value of, of long form content that matters to the audience that would really consume it. 
We do, we do, and and I think that the gener- you know, the, the the coming generations of 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 professionals who who um, are really interested in quality over quantity, and and, and I think we're going to have to adapt um, our leadership, our and you know certainly our marketing, um, our organizations yeah. as a whole to to really focus on that. They value authenticity um, much more than um, much more than you know our generation of leaders or the generation of leaders that preceded us. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I, yeah. I, what you said there just kind of sparked a question about, I'm a huge yeah. fan of the book, The Challenger Sale and The Challenger Customer. Have you, have you read any of those books? Unfortunately, I've not. I'm familiar with them, but I haven't read okay. them. Okay. They're definitely worth picking up because it, it doesn't matter if you've read them or not, but but the the concept is the necessity of being very prescriptive. So it kind of moves us away. And, and the reason I bring it up is because I think it matches with your idea of quality over quantity, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the concept kind of overlays any sales methodology, right? Uh, so it's not in and of itself a sales methodology. But what it suggests is that, listen, we need to be so out ahead of where our marketplace is because we can't play the pain solution game any longer because everybody plays that game. So therefore, to be completely helpful, selflessly helpful to our customers, we need to kind of challenge them a little bit to think about the two or three things that they haven't considered that are absolutely coming. You know, we're, we're recording this on the day of uh, the Brexit vote, so God knows mm-hmm. when I post this in three weeks where we'll be. But obviously, there's impact here, right? So a smart uh, firm out there that was selling enterprise software could have seen that company and say, hey, if Brexit gets voted, here's the three things that you, financial services guy, need to care about, right? So being very prescriptive. So I guess the question buried in here, and I promise there is Mm -hmm. one, is that I would imagine that strong, powerful networks in the industry – really are, are crucial to us to be able to do this, to gain more perspective, to be able to write the depth of information and content that the audience cares about, and to uh, be helpful in a way that's going to suggest things you ought to be considering. I mean, I, I can't imagine doing that without a professional network. I mean, what do you think about that? So I, I think that's a, that's a very uh, valid observation that, that Without the without having a strong and, and I'll call network a community because because that's really what it is. Our networks are very large, right? And there's people in our community who are very close to us, and there's people in our community who we interact with on a regular basis, and there's people in our community who are more on the periphery. And and so so in our communities, in our networks, there's a tremendous amount of information. There's a tremendous amount of insight. There's a tremendous amount of support. And and as we talk about you know prescriptive uh, you know prescriptive. I, I think that the prescriptive comes from what's closest to you in your in your community and your network. The fact is that um, that the further out you go, it gets real noisy. And so, if you're looking for um, that tap on the shoulder that says, you know, why don't you go here instead of there, um, is is something that happens to you know only within really a very tight circle of friends, a tight circle of connections. Um, the, and, and that's, I think, you know, going back to the challenge of being bombarded with so much information, the fact is that, um, that our networks do have the ability to give us insight and to prescribe, um, uh, information and opportunities for us. But the biggest hurdle today is, 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 and I'll say it again, is the noise, yeah, right? Is, yeah. is the ability to, to, to sort of filter it out. And because we can filter it out, we, we, we erase it. We, we ignore it, I should say. Um, so, so that's what, you know, LinkedIn engagement has, has, has gone down to once in every seven weeks, yeah. right? The average LinkedIn user uses it once in every seven weeks. Why? Because they're going there and they're not getting that 
prescription that they mm. used to get, right? Yep. When, when LinkedIn opened up its publishing platform to allow everyone to write content, now all of a sudden we yeah, had yeah, we had the world's largest blog of everybody trying to you know say something that ultimately you know self promotes, right? And it's and your your tightest circle of, of friends, your tightest circle of connections. You know what they have to say gets lost on LinkedIn. So you know what we don't use it the same way we used to. We actually do that more, you know, through email or offline. Yeah, you know, I, before we before I started recording, we were talking about uh, you know the media landscape, and I, you know, do you think that a lot of it has to do with not just the sheer volume, but the the fact that it's so unstructured, right? I mean, we're going from a world where we had cable television and newspapers to a world where there is so many video prints, well, digital print, if you will, uh, and social networks out there that the structures really uh, doesn't facilitate the ease of going to where we know we're going to get something of value quickly. I mean, is that part of it, the fact that it's so unstructured and it's, so broad? It's a huge part of it. And that that's why all the talk right now is about chatbots and AI, because, because let's use machine learning to allow people, allow us to figure out, uh, I should say, to allow us to, to receive what's most important to us, what's mm -hmm. most appropriate for us. Um, I, you know, I, I think we're at the verge of some big changes in how, in how um, technology is used to, to deliver information because the, the fire hose that, that exists today um, is, you know, has lost its effectiveness and and the, the you know the chatbots and AI, whether that's the solution or whether that's just a step in the that direction, it is a way of of sort of taking the information and making it taking taking not the information but 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 everything that's out there, yeah. um, including the connections and and um, just delivering to you the ones that that are are most pertinent. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, let, let me shift gears here a little bit and talk about talent development uh, yeah. because I think the same thing kind of applies here. I spent time running marketing for a professional services company that focused on staff augmentation, recruitment process outsourcing. And the one thing that we always tried to communicate and hammer home in the marketplace was that, hey, it's critical to source ahead of your demand. In other words, if you don't know with at least some semblance of, of specificity what you're going to need in the, in, during the year, the next six months, the next quarter – you know, it's it's difficult for you to source ahead of that demand. So, mm -hmm. I th do you think that uh, a lot of the role of, of community building within the company has to leave the walls of the company, even? And and if we care about the talent that's going to come into our company, to spend time creating these these talent communities of the people that we know are, are going to naturally fit the profile of who we want as employees. I, I really think that it. The uh, that it's a great question, and and it really depends upon the organization's strategy around around talent acquisition. Um, for those who hire for skills as opposed to knowledge, then having a strong network, investing in that network, and and being ahead of the curve is critically important. And and we'll talk about that a little bit because I certainly am a big subscriber mm. to that to that philosophy. There's the other side who hire for very specific skills, for very specific needs. And you see that at both, for, at both Fortune 100 and at startups. And, I, and, and, and it's unfortunate that you see this at startups. But you know, we need someone with X years of, of, of this technology or, or, or this degree and um, you know, this, this exact profile. And we're not going to look at anyone other than that. And at that point, then, 
it's really hard to get ahead of the curve other than have the biggest database you can and search over that database when 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 you when you have that need sure but but for those organizations that hire for skills over experience it's important you know just like just like your 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 network for for business development for customer development or your or your your personal network it's it's important to to know people so so for example uh, it, the CTO for Intronet decided to um, to move to the West Coast and take a job with Oracle. I'm sorry, Oracle with Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at that point, I was presented with the challenge. And he gave me a few months' notice, so we so we had time to to work on a transition. I had time to 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 think through my scenarios, and and I, and I started interviewing. CTO candidates and and about a month into it decided you know what giving the fact that I'm a small company and um, I'm I'm concerned about cash burn maybe this is an opportunity to not have a CTO but to really invest in a in a slightly bigger development team sure and to do it without a CTO but I have continued to have conversations with all of those CTO candidates who I've met in the process. And now they are part of my network, and I will continue to see one of them once a month for coffee, or or touch base with them by email or phone or text message, um, and see how they're doing. Because the fact is that you never, you, you know, you, to your point, you need to be look, you need to have that pipeline ahead of the curve. And 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 the thing that about a network, right, is is it's not all. Prescriptive, right? Uh, you know, to use that word that you, yeah. that you used earlier, right? Often, it's serendipitous. Yeah, yeah. Right, and, and I, I, I like to reduce serendipity. I want to leave room for serendipity. I, I, the serendipity is is sort of chance, and I don't like to leave too many things up to chance. But, but you get a lot more serendipity out of having a strong network. So, I have seen opportunities to help people. I have seen opportunities to strike different types of deals, right? People who I've recruited have ultimately become clients, who I've tried to recruit and failed have ultimately become clients mm. or business partners. Yep. Um, the, so the, the fact is that the having a strong network is, is one of the best methods for, 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 for talent acquisition. Yeah. And, 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 the, you know, so so I whenever I post a new job, um, whenever I decide I'm going to hire someone, uh, once the job is made public, immediately dozens of recruiters reach out to me. In the past 12 years, I have not filled a single role through a recruiter. I have not needed to. And yeah. look, I, I love recruiters. I, I when I had to build CD now, and we we had at some point had to double our staff. Um, I had to use recruiters, and I bought recruiters in house, and and it was a you know it was a we were a recruiting machine so to speak. But the fact is that um, in the past twelve years, as my network has grown, as technology has enabled me to stay more in touch with my connections, better in touch with my connections, the fact is that um, I don't I don't hire anyone through recruiters because I reach out to my my network, and I've always got someone. Yeah. You know, it's, as you're speaking there, I'm reminded of just my, my current experience, you know, being on your own 
you, you really live and die by your network, you know, and if you're not building it continuously, mm-hmm. you, know, you don't have an engine, you don't have it, you know, it's you, you know, if you're a sole proprietor, I mean, you're the one who's got to do that business development. And it, it was, a, it was kind of a shock to me. Yeah. I mean, I had my network, but I never really relied on it for that purpose. So I love the story of not having to turn to recruiters. And again, not in a negative way, but just because you spent time yeah. and you made the investment in building that community that it's, it's re- kind of paid dividends. And, and I want to transition real quick and I'll, this will be the last uh, question because I know you got to go soon, but do you think that we have to again if we're a, a you know small medium-sized business that even larger businesses too that we have to have kind of the purpose of of what we're doing you know down and, and tangible so that it could be internalized by the people that work for us so what i mean by that is if we don't have especially today's day and age with you you hear all the the things written about the 20 and 30 something worker wanting wanting purpose behind their job behind the paycheck is it important for us to define that purpose clearly so that when we're building these relationships with our would-be clients and customers and with our would-be new employees to have that the mission the purpose values down yeah, oh, without a doubt. In fact, I'll, I'll put my coaching hat on right now and and say that I start every client with a vision and goals. And and, and a mission basically is is a you know is a is a midterm set of goals, right? Sure. But um, but but you know the vision, you know, we can call that a purpose, right? But the the vision is is sort of that that one point on the horizon that you're that you're heading towards, right? We can't. It's it's far out there. We can't figure out the path. But the goals are a way to sort of create a, a path and create a structure and create measurements um, and, and keep us focused, right? And that, that's critically important. And then there's the values, right? And this is where your network comes in. This is where the relationships come in. Because we have, you have to understand your values. So we go from vision, we go, we go, to, we go to a mission or goals, and then we go to values. And, and, and values are very uh, difficult to assess, right? We all, we all can probably write a bullet list of our values, right? The customer always comes first, work-life balance, um, uh, integrity, right? These, yeah. these are words you hear a lot in, yeah, yeah. in, 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 in value statements. And, and I'm not a believer of value statements. What I like to do is encapsulate our values by a collection of behaviors, right? Because ultimately, you can determine someone's values based on how they behave, Right. So 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 our value statement that roots our behaviors. It's easy to say a value statement, but our behaviors are really mm-hmm. what how we exhibit our values. And it's easy to observe that behaviors, right? And so so I was coaching a, a group of entrepreneurs um, about a week ago and, and and the concept of values came up and, and you know someone asked how do you how do you know what the values are of, of, of someone you might want to hire or someone you might want to do business with or someone you're building a relationship with and you know the answer was watch their behaviors um, and and the only way you can watch someone's behaviors is by spending time with them and and so yeah. so you know again with my coaching hat still on the other thing especially for small to mid-sized businesses especially for young entrepreneurs or young companies it, you got to get out of the office, right? You, you can't, it, especially if you're a service business, right? You can't sit behind your desk servicing clients 45 hours a week. <laughs> you've got you've to spend time meeting with people who might not be your clients right now, meeting with, with, with partners, meeting with, you know, attending events. You've got to be out there working with people. Yep. And, and as you're working with people, you're going you're gonna to migrate, you're, you're going to naturally migrate towards those who share value systems but um, what, what, I, what I coach people to do is watch someone's behaviors, especially in a, in a natural or comfortable setting. And you, you will learn to be able to assess how good that relationship potential is within five minutes. 
That's great advice. I love that. And I think I'm going to leave it right there because it's an awesome, tangible thing to do. Uh, but listen, Mike, tell us, uh, tell my audience about Internet, where they can get it, if it's right for them. You know, what, what, how should they download it? Like, just fill my audience in about that. Sure. Well, you, you can go to the website, intro.net, I-N-T-R-O.net. And, and Intranet is, is recently launched a, a new product where we're putting all of our focus for groups and teams, let's say from, from eight people to 8,000 people, uh, that helps a, um, helps a group share their networks. And and the you know the challenge today you know LinkedIn originally had that that vision right to share the networks, um, but it got ultimately filled with with noise because of how dense it got. So we're focused on groups and teams because in a group um, there's already an element of trust and an ele- and a and a desire and affinity to help one another, and so so the way Slack might be for communications, the way Meetup.com might be for events, Intro.net is meant for connections. And to to share connections, to discover new connections. Um, basically, we're trying to make it easy to find connections and expertise and information that that you're you're not finding in the in the um, in the the Twitter sphere or the, mm-hmm. the noise of LinkedIn. Very good, great. Well, I'll uh, definitely link it up in the show notes as well. So, my guest again today has been Mike Krupp, the founder CEO of Intranet. Also has a host of other experience. Uh, you can go back and listen to the beginning and, and just listen to the great uh, depth of knowledge that Mike has under his belt. Also does uh, Helms Trajectify, which is a coaching service for entrepreneurs and, and new startups. So, Mike, I can't thank you enough. It's been a great conversation. Thanks again for joining me today on Leading Matters. Great talking to you, Joel. Thanks. Thanks.